the Lord showed me this thing of how every time I would go through something, I would just get into worship and I'd go into the presence of God. And once I felt better, I'd get out of there. And he was like, stop using me as a painkiller and see me as a healer. And I thought, oh, that's true forgiveness. When you no longer harbor anything, but you're actually feeling the mercy of God for the people that wounded you the most. I always love to interview you because you're a great interview. And I actually think that besides being hilarious and having the wildest stories I think I've ever heard in my entire life and the most traumatic church experiences of a young person (laughs) I've ever heard in my entire life, um, that your love for the Lord and your passion for the Lord is so intact. I think that's the thing that just blows my mind about you. If I had gone through what you'd gone through, I, I don't know that I would be intact. I don't know that I would be um, spiritually, mentally, even physically intact. So that I'm in awe about that. And I think that shows up in your songs. Wow. And I really wanted to talk um, a lot about Manasseh. I mean, we've done, we've done podcasts before around church woundedness yeah. and stuff like that, which <clears throat> I hate that, we ha- that, that that's a subject that I talk about a lot, but I think it's super important it's that it's talked about a lot because it happens all the time. And I think it's really great for people that have been so wounded by the church to not hold the church responsible or hold God responsible. People are responsible for wounding people, but God is not responsible for people's wounds. And um, you just released this record. In fact, I think one of my favorite sessions that we did was the podcast we did on delusional forgiveness. Because I think that's just, even the word delusional with that, that you use yeah. that word was just so powerful. And that was with a couple other gals. But um, you, we've talked about Manasseh. We talked about um, your record coming out then. Your record's out now. Yeah. Church. Mm-hmm. Not the church, just church. church. So maybe just like give a preliminary kind of heart behind church Um is, would you say that church is, is the work you're the most proud of right now? I would definitely say that. I think that this record embodied so many different emotions. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of crazy you like referencing the other podcasts that we've done about it. Cause I feel as if we recorded a podcast when I was like shifting all the emotions yeah. throughout the process. Even yeah. the week I was here for pre-production, I remember listening back to that and like hearing how I was speaking about the record and just sobbing because wow. I just went through so many different stages yeah. with it. Um, as you know, it was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster, roller coaster. <laughs> for sure. I think that um, when the Lord told me, and we talked about this on the delusional forgiveness, but I'll just briefly, the Lord told me this year was going to be marked in delusional forgiveness. And I'm not like a word of the year gal. Yeah. Um, I love when people do that. This has never been like something like I fast the beginning of every year and like ask the Lord, like, what do we want to do? Um, but I've never felt like it's, oh, just one thing. And I, it didn't even really connect the dots to me what I was making this record about for mixed with this delusional forgiveness concept. Yeah. Um, I was just like, oh man, I'm just going to get hurt so bad this year. That's literally all I thought of like delusional when forgiveness. When you gave me the delusional yeah. forgiveness word. So I was like, okay, great. Um, and I think that it has embodied so many different things. It has in, involved this one-on-one forgiveness with people in my life. I think that I walked through forgiveness with the church, but I don't know if I had walked through forgiveness with leaders or with specific people yet. Um, And that was something I wasn't like, that came like a train out of nowhere to me of feeling these things. I'm like, Oh, I love the Lord's church again. I'm in such a healthy place with church. I am in such a healthy ministry, but then it's also, it's one thing to forgive. It's one thing to go back to the place where you forgave yeah. um, and to forgive people uh, within that. Like the institution is sometimes different, yeah. um, if that makes sense. So that was really just like a journey that I walked through. And then through Manasseh, um, that song was birthed out of my dad visiting my new church, knowing my entire history and looking and walking the halls. Having himself walk through some pretty traumatic church experience. Yeah. And like, also I'm, I'm not a parent yet, so I don't know what that's like, but I can Mm -hmm. only imagine when you like see your child 
go yeah, through things yeah. like that too. Um, that just breaks you in half. And just for him to see me and reference the story of Joseph, which is my all time favorite Bible story. Yeah. Explain that. So a yeah. lot of people listening don't know Manasseh. Yeah. So Joe's yes. the story of Joseph. Yeah. I mean, I think we see Joseph as a dreamer and like, I think a lot of times when you prophesy over people, you have the yeah. spirit of Joseph, like you're a dreamer, you're a leader, you're going to be in charge of nations. Um, when I see the spirit of Joseph, I see someone with delusional forgiveness, yeah. which to me is like the embodiment of the highest superpower mm-hmm. that you can actually look at the hand of those who hurt you. I mean, your family sold you into slavery over being in favor with yeah. your father, Yeah, which it's like, if anyone's ever been hurt by family, that just feels That's, like yeah, a below the belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, this is like supposed to be my safe place. These people are like born to like be with me, to take care of me, um, to support me. And uh, for his life to just look like roller coaster city. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's something to be said. I feel like if I were Joseph and I get to Potiphar's house and I'm now I'm running his entire estate. I'm like, okay, the Lord has redeemed me. Like I'm in now a place of leadership with someone who's important. I'm like, have like the Lord, you've redeemed this. Yeah. And then to be accused of something that you actually said no to. Yeah. When Potiphar's wife's like, I want to sleep with you. And he's like, no, she takes his cloak, makes this whole scenario. I, I like, I look at that and then him ending up in prison over doing the right thing. Right which is something we don't talk about because he probably would have been able to keep his position if he would have given in to her right? and stayed there. But he lost it. He does it. the right thing. He does the right thing and lost it. Yeah. And so I was like, man, would I would have remained faithful with the Lord in the prison? Because now I'm like, all right, I already got past the pit. Now I have yeah. to go through prison. Like that to me is wild how faithful he was with the Lord. And then to rise to be second command in Egypt, and now he's providing for the entire nation. And then he's greeted with his family. And for them, he sees them and they're like, oh, he's going to kill us. The minute he makes himself known to his family. Which I always find it really interesting because it's, if, if the family member is like, oh, we did that guy so bad. Yeah. Oh, this, to be so aware of yeah. what's gone on. Like to think that your own sibling's going to kill we you. We deserve death yes. because we because literally, we, we were going to kill him. We left him for dead, but yeah. then we're like, mm, we might as well make a couple bucks. <laughs> and so it's like, oh God, I'm sure they're like, we should have killed him. <laughs> yeah. And it's like to see that, but for his response to be so different. And I obviously everything in the Old Testament is a prerequisite for how Jesus is going to be for us. Right. You know, we just see that story time and time again, like Hosea and Gomer, this, yeah, like yeah, yeah. this story's being told of what it's going to look like when Jesus gets to love us like this, forgive us like this. So we see how Joseph's so overwhelmed. He embraces his brothers. Um, and in Genesis, when he's like, man, the Lord has used this. Don't be sad. Like for what you guys did was a part of God's plan not only for me to provide for this nation, but for me to provide for you. And I think that the Lord kind of showed me steps of forgiveness. Yeah, There's forgiveness for separation. And I think he was separated from his brothers for so many years where they weren't around. But it's different when that same thing that hurts you comes and looks you in the face and asks you for something. And that's the forgiveness that would be so countercultural that yeah. we would be like, man, I, I can't imagine like sitting down with the person who hurt me and now I'm helping you. Right. And that's, I think the kind of forgiveness that heals people that heals ministries, um, that heals those hurts that we felt like we were going to carry our whole lives. So then Joseph's given two sons and the first son named Manasseh. And it means to forget Manasseh. The word means to forget. forget. And in Joseph's um, scenario, it means to forget the suffering of my father's household. And then he also has oh, another yeah. son named Ephraim, which means to be fruitful in the land of my suffering. So we see this process of Joseph. First, he forgives. Then the Lord grants him the gift of forgetting the pain that he went yeah. through. And then he makes him fruitful. And I think that like, man, I think in scripture, the Lord gives us a blueprint for fruit. Mm-hmm. Like forgive it. Let me take the pain yeah. from it. So then you can enjoy the fruit of it. Um, so when my dad walks through the halls of the church, he says, man, this is your Manasseh. And he started crying. And I was like, 
the church that I'm now a part of has been such a gift yeah. to me that it has healed me in areas that I didn't think that I could be healed from. Um, there's certain things. I remember they did this like study so, so long ago. I think it was like maybe in like the seventies or something. I could be wrong, but they were talking about people who had like news channels on all the time, mm -hmm. like Fox news or per se. And it would like have that little box in the corner and their TVs would be like forever scarred like with that little brand. So even if they changed the channel, you'd always see the little emblem at the bottom. Huh. It was like this whole thing. And um, I think a lot of times when we don't forgive, when we don't look back to heal those things, every channel we change is still yeah, going to have wow, that, yeah, yeah. that burning thing that we went through. And there were so many things in my life when it came to ministry that I just thought I would see it from the lens of. Yeah. And I, I didn't know necessarily if it was bad. I just thought I'd learned from it. Like, I'm like, well, I'm not naive anymore. Like I'm keeping that yeah. experience. So I don't have to re re go through that again and again and again. When the Lord was like, no, I love the heart of a child. Yeah. I love the innocence of a child that is like, I've not been wounded. I think it's beautiful in Corinthians when the Lord talks about the attributes of love and it's like, love believes all things. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's in a naive way. It's in a covering way. And other, other translations, like love covers like a roof. Yeah. And I think even with the Lord, like in that circumstance of like, when we go to the Lord and we're like, I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. I think he believes us. Even he knows we're not, we okay, are yeah, going to do it again. Fail. Yeah. But the heart of love believes so here's, here's, I always like to like kind of pick apart somebody yeah. in your age brackets brain about stuff like this, because from my side of it, I've got all the years of experience of learning how to let things go yeah. and the value of letting things go, getting to the other side of something and then seeing God throughout the whole process. But the conversations that are repetitious for me with, um, you know, some, some of it's like late teens you know, early twenties is when you're talking about a subject like Joseph and you are talking about, about being able to forgive, there is this almost like indentation in so many people's stories of God being the one that put them in the position, yeah. and God being at fault for putting them in the ditch, that, that it's not just the, the blame that we throw on to the individuals that have hurt us or the voices that have yeah. kind of come against us. But the end result is always, or seems to be pushed toward, but God allowed it to happen. So how do I trust God again with this when God allowed all this stuff to happen? How at 27, do you break God off of the responsibility? Because when you're, when you're bringing up a subject like Joseph and you're telling that story so beautifully, it, Joseph disassociates that God threw him in the pit. Yeah. He, he doesn't say, you know, um, and, and he doesn't hold or harbor um, this thing against the Lord. It was against his family, even though God allowed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God allowed all that stuff. God, God allowed him. He did the right thing, and God allowed him to be in the prison. But you don't hear this. You never hear this, at least from this story. You don't mm -hmm. hear this kind of constant condemning of what God has allowed. Yeah. You can recite Job. And you can see the angst of what God allows in Job, which I think What's is yeah, yeah. Why, why, why Job's even there for us to be like, hey, look, God even knows that you're going to blame him. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, it's like curse God and die, you know, kind of a, a verbiage in Job. But really, a lot of these stories in the Bible that really talk about almost a delusional forgiveness doesn't put God on God's head on the chopping block. Yeah. It actually deals with, with uh, the individual. Like Joseph had to actually realize what his life was all about. Like yeah. that's when I, when I hear you tell the story, I'm like, Joseph somewhere had to have a revelation that his worth was so valuable that telling the truth was way more important than giving into a lie. Yeah. That being in the prison cell had to have some kind of a rite of passage. Well, yeah. But if he didn't go to prison, then he wouldn't have gotten to be in front of the Pharaoh. Right. So I think that... But we just... Do you understand yeah, how there's no, a generation totally. that discounts some of this stuff? And I think that's where my ah oh, moment is. It's like, it's not about God being like, you need to do this. You need to go to prison in order to do that. 
It's about whatever the circumstances is around you that leads you into those those yeah. places. There's always something God's going to do, regardless of the circumstance, which is caused by sin, which is caused by yeah. all this other stuff, that God's always willing to do the circumstance. How do you tell people in your age bracket, stop putting God's head on the chopping block and actually partner with God yeah. in your prison? I think that for me, I don't know if I could answer this question perfectly, but I think for me, what I've had to come to the conclusion of is God's responsibility in all of it is to turn it all for my good. Yeah. So when I when something happens, I like to think of this like scenario of like I'm in the kitchen with the Lord and I'm bringing in all these ingredients and I'm bringing in the ingredients of like things that are messed up in my life. Like like you said, like we're not above trials, tribulation. Oh. Like this is just life. Life is flawed. People are flawed. It's free will. Like perfect love is free will. Like yeah. whoever we get to decide what we want to do. Um, and that's going to affect the entire ecosystem of people around us. His brothers got to decide that they were feeling inferior because his dad put favor on him. Um, and they got to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. And so here's like, God, this master chef and being given these ingredients. And he's like, I'm going to work this out for the better. And I think that for me, the perspective that I try to keep is, Lord, how are you working this out for me right now? Because I look back on my life and I wish that I always had this bird's eye view, but I, I call it like this God thread. Um, when I was living uh, in South Carolina, I was in like a pretty interesting relationship, just like making really weird decisions. I don't think I've ever really talked about this before. <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to say this? Um, and I was with someone who like wrecked my car. <laughs> I've literally never like said this before, but okay. And it was just really hard. And then this guy like kind of like up and left and like, I'm here like having to pay for this pretty large bill on my car. It was like thousands and thousands of dollars. And I was just gutted. And at the place that I was at, I wasn't really like traveling. I didn't, I couldn't just make like an extra income. Like it was very random. Yeah. Mind you, I get a call from one of my friends who's like, Hey, I, I have a church that wants to come bring you in and they want to bless you with the amount that you need to, to get your car fixed. Da, 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 right. So I'm like, okay, I go. And it turned out to be um, a church in Baltimore, Pastor Jimmy and Irene Rollins. And if you hear my story yeah. that I talk about Manasseh on my record, yeah. they were actually the pastors that brought me to Shoreline, that brought me to where I now am at, which I've written this record from, which I, from my car getting wrecked by that. Yes. I look at those things. So now when I'm in these, I, I call this all the time, one of those car wreck moments of like where something happens to me and I'm like, this is so wrong. How did someone get away with this? Lord, how could you allow this to happen? He's like, what if I'm setting something else up? Like, what if I'm, what if I'm setting something else up from the, the imperfections of people around you and the decisions that you've right. made and put yourself in? And I'm like, man, so when, when something happens, that's so just shocking not to look like the Lord and be like, how could you let this happen? But it's more like, okay, God, how are you going to turn this around? Because I know your character is you work all things together yeah. for good. And that's not just like, I feel like we say that so much in church. And it's like, he's working it all out for our good. I'm a living witness that the Lord can take the worst ingredients and make the most beautiful things from it. That's just the character of who he is. So I think in those moments, it's, even in our bad decisions, even when it's I your think that's fault. So mind blowing is that people don't, it's like, Sit back and actually listen to what even you're saying right yeah. now. Like you're in a relationship you probably shouldn't have been. That I knew with I should have been. <laughs> and he and he's not the he's not the guy God has. He's yeah. not the but you're nonetheless, gonna, God no. is still being like, I'll I'll do something. And that's here. like the kindness of yes, God. Yes. But and I also think of I think of Joseph's genesis of his story. And why did he get thrown in the pit? He told his brothers about the dream that the Lord gave him. Right. What would it have looked like if he didn't tell his brothers that? And right. I think that there's sometimes there's like personal responsibility that we do have for things. And it's like, right. all right, well, maybe that wasn't for years to share for right, that. Right, right. And then now that's ending up like, we're going to kill you. We're going to bow down to you. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like we're going to nip this in the bud. Yeah. And so I do think that there's things and it's like, 
I don't know what Joseph's story was going to look like, but it's like, right, the Lord's like, all right, we're going to pivot. You know what I mean? It's like, I think God is so kind to be like, there's so many ways it could go. Well, yeah, it reminds me too of that conversation we had yesterday with Brooke. When Brooke talked about um, talking too much, <laughs> you know, when we talk too <laughs> yeah. much, we end up sinning yeah. when, we, when we're talking too much. So I think that there are, yeah, there's a lot of scenarios like that that we put ourselves in that the Lord's like, okay, reroute, renavigation. Yeah. Because this is going to cause this or this is going to. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not he was supposed to say it or wasn't supposed to say it. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think Joseph had an intention of, I don't think it was arrogance or pride. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, like you read the story and his brothers are kind of like picking on him. Be like, Oh, like dad gave you this. He's like, one day you guys are going to bow down down to me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like so human. I would so say that. I'm like, I'd be like, you know what? You guys don't even get it. Dad gets it and you guys don't. Right. It's like, okay, we're going to kill you. Right. So I, man, I, I love that. I love that part of the story because I'm like, that's the most human. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I get from Joseph in his story of being like, you know what? Um, but he was 17. Yeah. He was just a kid. And it was like over 13 years until. That whole thing. Yeah. Yep. And it's a process. And I, and I also think that I, and and I'm still 27. I feel like I'm 50 sometimes because yeah. I've just like been in ministry for a really long time and all the things. But um, I think I wasn't a huge believer in that like God works everything together for my good because I thought that that was a quick turnaround. But I'm like, the timing of God is his kindness. And there are so many things that I felt like I should have had earlier or should have accessed earlier. Yeah. And I'm like, man, the Lord was so kind to not give that to me. Do you think that people, uh, like wounded people, understand that God turns it all around for your good? I think because it's that to me, that's so like, you have to really be willing to see and yeah. willing to go after the fact and, and just have that belief system flowing through your. DNA that totally it's going to be okay. God is going to turn this around and it's going to have an ending that may not be my ending, but it'll honor the Lord in the process. I think in Isaiah, when it says, behold, do you not see I'm doing a new thing? It's bursting out streams of living water through deserts. And it's like, do you not see it is in that scripture. And it's like, I'm doing a new thing. Don't, do you not see see it? it? And I think when I read that Mm. it was this opportunity to not see it. Yeah. You cannot see. You cannot see. It. When the Lord's working something together for your good, um and that's a choice that we make, and there are so many times in my life where I have not seen that. Where I I now and we were talking about this the other day, and I'm like my biggest I would say my biggest um thing that I'm navigating with the Lord in my life has been what is opposition and what's redirection. Mm. So I'm like, Lord, yeah. when when am I when things are pushing up against me, is it time for me to raise up and fight through? Or when are you navigating me to a different to a different lane? Yeah. Um and I think that you have the opportunity to not see something. Like my we did a podcast of like my whole story and I make jokes all the time of like I have all the trauma of being like in the entertainment industry as a kid, but yeah. like none of the fame or success from it. because I'm like, there was just like all these different things. And like what I thought were missed opportunities or like closed doors. And I'm like, man, that was the Lord's protection over my life. Like knowing who I was. You don't see it in the middle of walking through it. It's so, and, and every time you're like, I'm going to remember this when I go. And then it's like, I think that's why accountability is so important. I think it's why journaling is important. Like I, I think it's so special what we get to do that we get to write albums in certain seasons to where we can look back and be like, Oh man, I do have witness I've witnessed God's faithfulness that I have literally charted it down. I remember writing that song in this moment where I did not think I was going to overcome this hurdle. And I have, yeah. and it's like that, um, daily reminder of like, I command my soul to get in line mm. with who I know that the Lord is. And I think that's why accountability is so beautiful to be able to like call into remembrance things. Cause I am the kind of person when I'm like in something, it's all around it's all, me. Yeah. 
And I'm like, everything's the worst and everything my career is over and I hate this. And it's like, it's so great for me to have people around and to be like, come back down. Yeah. Pull back down. Yeah, even the making of of church, the swirl. (laughs) Yeah. It's there because of not just the pressures of the logistics of it, but, but I don't know sometimes it, that, that there's an outside understanding of what, of the intentionality of what writing and yeah, because not everybody in, in what we do does this, but you really come to the table with a, a PDF. Like when we, when I was writing with you, you came to the table with a PDF I mean, I don't know if it was six pages. Yeah, it was quite a few. It was pages. quite a few pages. Small fonts. <laughs> yeah, of just everything that you felt like the Lord was telling you for this record. That is not the normal for um, how people make a record in the Christian industry. Unfortunately, I think, I'm going to say unfortunately, because I think we really should all come to the table. I come to the table. I don't think I do a PDF, but I come to the table <laughs> Very with Very type a, a. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, with just a really clear vision, because I've talked to the Lord, I've asked the Lord, I've been seeking the Lord, because the journaling of those songs in my own life have already wrecked me. Yeah. I've already brought me to a space with the Lord where I'm like, something has happened within me. So it's happening in me, and there's a there's a... Uh, an internal kind of process of saying this has to somehow now get out yep. because what God has been doing with me in this season, yeah. with this subject or this title or these lyrics or this, these melody lines have done something in my life that now there's a, there's a natural, there's a natural push out to say, I, this is my process. This is what I'm going to do. I think that's with anybody in any career, Yeah, you know, when you're walking through something that, that it rides itself out in whatever you give away. But you mentioned something last night that I actually thought was so powerful when we were talking to those university students. Um, I don't know if you were references, referencing it under, um, uh, you know, um, stuff that we house like OCD or whatever, if you were referencing yeah, yeah, it yeah. under that. But you made mention of the fact that your songwriting has actually been a journey of actually quieting. Yeah, some of those fears totally. and being able to be the weapon against some of those fears. Can you rephrase that the way you did last night? Because I thought it was so powerful. Yeah, one of those kids. There was um, we were speaking to a group of students who were going to school for worship leading songwriting music business yeah. here in Nashville, and one of the girls was asking a question about songwriting, um, and this fear that she was writing songs were like petty and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, or like songs of retaliation of things. Um, And basically my response was, I think it's beautiful and actually a gift to have your emotional connectivity to your songwriting Yes, because it's such a beautiful way to express how you're feeling. Um, And I was saying for me being OCD, that has been like a lifesaver to which she was like, so am I. And I was like, I think that's a gift that God has given you that it's become an outlet. I really do believe God gives us all of our gifts and talents for us first. Yeah. Um, just how like our bodies are designed to heal themselves internally. Like if you were to cut my arm, it's going to heal on its own because I, that's I, just, I wouldn't want to cut. Your thank arm. you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's, it's just going to happen yeah, that way because yeah. that's how we've been designed. And I think that's how we've been designed emotionally and creativity, uh, creatively as well. So as far as the gifts that God has given me are to heal me first, the songs right, and even right. kind of what you're saying of like, Oh, I've walked with these songs. I've walked with the heart that the Lord's given me for your next record. And you're like, and yeah. I believe it. I think that's why, it's funny to me when people don't like their own music or don't listen to their own music. I'm like, man, the Lord gave me these songs for me and I'm a living yeah. witness that they've healed my heart. So that's why I want them out. Um, and I don't think he always has us release everything, yeah. but these are the ones that I feel like he has. So in that process of connecting, since I was like a really young kid, I always knew if I could get my emotions out of my body into a song, I could lock them and throw them away. If I could yeah. just express them and not keep them. OCD is basically like a merry-go-round of thoughts in your head. Mm-hmm, it's compa- it's mm-hmm. obsessive compulsive disorder. So it's compulsive thinking and it's like an anxiety disorder and as it's well. It's in different formats. It comes out yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's a lot of different, a lot of people have different compulsions, yeah. but biggest thing is intrusive thoughts, those yeah. kind of things and they'll just kind of run you ragged in your mind. 
So for me, I knew once I could get this emotion out of my body, out into a space where I could express it into a song, it would just, it was like a weight had been lifted off of me. And it wasn't till I think I was maybe like 19, 20 that I started to realize how healing it was for me. I went through something pretty traumatic um, with like my closest friends and um, an experience that was like, oh man, there's so many people that don't come back from things like this. Yeah. Um, and I sat down and I wrote this song and I remember it was called Humanity. And it was so different because the song wasn't evil towards anyone or towards these people or about betrayal, but it was just like, um, humanity so funny to me. That was like the, the chorus was like, uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't understand it all the time, but like, it's, it's so fickle and it's funny. And I could just express all the ways that I was feeling of like, it was kind of this disbelief that anyone so close to you could do something so hurtful Yeah. and to get that out in a song. And I remember, I think I sent it to Tasha and she was like, this is unbelievable. And I was like, this is just, let me heal from this. Yeah. And it, and it literally, it was like, took 10 steps forward. Um, so I, 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 I love want the you to say too that. that when you actually are finding avenues and and ways to walk down where you're like, oh wow, I'm actually this is actually healing. Yeah, like, this is healing for me. It doesn't lead you to a place of constantly being brought back or back, be you know re cursed or re you know experience mm-hmm. all these things. There is actual growth that leads you through to the other side that creates the language to say you can actually forgive your accusers. Yeah. You can forgive your brethren. You can forgive your sisters. You can forgive your family. You can forgive. And you then can see what God's doing in the process of it. Yeah. I think for me, the hardest part about forgiveness for me is I always thought, forgiveness was the absence of justice that it lets someone get away with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, vengeance is mine says the Lord. And I think that that was something that I had to get down on the ground with the Lord and him be like, I can't have justice in this area until you release it to me. Like I loved holding things and bringing it to him every day. Remember this? You remember this? They got away with this. Is this good? Are you going to do something about this? Yeah. And it was just like, man, yeah. when you actually could have the space to where you can drop that in front of me, I can handle it. But also imagine all the times that people are bringing you to me and being like, they did this, she did this. Yeah. And he's like, I saw mercy on you. And I think that, um, I mean, culture right now is so what serves us what's healthy for us. Yeah. And I, and I'm so a big believer in boundaries and all the healthy yeah. mechanics of like keeping your it's life. It's not like opening peaceful. yourself up. To yeah. 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 I'm not saying yeah. open yourself up to any sort of abuse, but I do think that it is not an option for us as Christ followers to hold on to unforgiveness in the way that we do. Yeah. And I think that, um, the Lord is wanting to call the church to a higher standard and a greater reality mm-hmm. of what it looks like to be forgiveness in the world. Um, and I I remember one time Joyce Meyer said something, and it was just so shocking. She was like, stop going to small group if you're not forgiving people. <laughs> it was literally just like, and I was like, oh. And it's like, huh. It's so, it's, it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. That's like the fundaments of who we are. Like Jesus came and forgave us. Yeah. And I think that um, it's so important. And, and with Manasseh, I think the reality that the Lord gave me with that is, man, once you're able to release it, I can actually take the venom out of it. Yeah. Like once you're able to actually go under the knife with it. I think um, when I was 17, I released a song. I think it was 17 or 18, something like that. Um, I released a song called Take Me There. And it was a song about Mm -hmm. wanting the presence of God. It was like kind of like my first song. Um, Some people still know me for that song, which is so so funny. Um, But the Lord showed me this thing of how every time I would go through something, I would just get into worship and I'd go into the presence of God. And once I felt better, I'd get out of there. And he was like, stop using me as a painkiller and see mm. me as a healer. But you're wow, not that's staying, so good, Anna. You're not staying with me long enough yes. to do the work. 
And I think that I'm seeing in a lot of our communities, and this was in my own life as well, of this like, it's almost like you're like going up, getting my cup filled, then I'm leaving. Yeah. And he's like, we just call this to a, like a life overflowing Yeah, to where we can now pour out into others. Yeah. But if we're constantly just like mm, getting just yeah. what I need and then, okay, now my anxiety's away. Now I'm going to leave. It's like, you didn't even want to, there's so much more I had to say to you. Yeah. Like you're just wanting band-aids for something that I could actually, I'm the great physician. We can actually rework yeah. this. Isn't that interesting yeah. that we, we, we're adapting ourselves to more of a fast food approach to the Lord than actually wanting that. Yeah. You know, and when you do actually get it, I was thinking when you were saying vengeance is mine, you know, I I remember one of my biggest um, aha moments in forgiveness is when, you know, there'd be people, there, there was some seasons in my life, just, just train wrecks of people that I just was trying to help out and just, kind of imploded into like blistering relationships and trying to the process of trying to forgive these people and, and walking through forgiveness. I, I think I've said it on a podcast before, but RT Kendall has this, who's he's just a, an incredible speaker that's been around for quite a while, but he has this insane message on forgiveness. And I listened to that um, message on forgiveness and it really actually changed me. And I started the process of forgiving but I realized true forgiveness when I knew it had come was when years later where I'd stopped bringing it to the Lord and bringing it to the Lord and reminding mm-hmm. the Lord that, hey, they're still prospering. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't see this? Yeah, you don't see that they're still. And and I'd stopped doing all that. And then I'd, I'd heard how some of these people's lives had just completely exploded. And their marriages had failed, and they had lost all these things. And I felt such deep sorrow. Yeah. And when I felt the deep sorrow, and actually almost like a sucker punch to my gut, that I had to sit down and take a moment. And and I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually feeling like I'm so emotional, wanting to cry on their behalf for mm. their loss of their relationship or their loss of their, you know, their life and that and that. And I thought, oh, that's true forgiveness. Mm-hmm. When you no longer harbor anything, but you're actually feeling the mercy of God for the people that wounded you the most. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, how, and how so powerful beautiful. that moment was to experience the true almost of a Manasseh, like not just causing you to forget, but causing you to actually totally forgive. Yeah. And realize that your forgiveness is almost sealed when all of a sudden mercy takes over. And you're finding yourself in absolute pure intercession over your enemies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Man, I I think of Lisa Harper and her story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's how stunning at the end of, I think, was it, I believe it was her stepfather or was it, yeah, Yeah. of his life and to be, and to know all the horrible things that had happened through her youth with that man, but to sit on his bedside and walk him through the salvation prayer. I'm like, that to me, Old. yeah. That to me changes things. Mm-hmm. Like when you choose to, I think of someone in my life that kind of knew they shouldn't have had forgiveness, um, and seeing and seeing them, uh, and I remember like greeting them just in such a different way, and the shock of like, well, I don't know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be acting like this towards me. And I was just like, man, I think that if we really just start to walk out forgiveness in a way that doesn't make sense, it not only like loves people into health and back into like a safe place, but it just like baffles the mind of the enemy. Cause it's like, yeah, what, what are you doing? That was my whole plan there. Right. Right. How did that happen? Yeah. Um, and it really is like what you're saying once you get really filled with the love that Jesus has for someone again, yeah. you're not like wishing anything. No, harm no, which on them. that's it's miraculous when that feeling comes because you were like, yeah. oh no, I wanted them. I, I wanted could have them literally pummeled them. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. It's like literally so horrible. Like I have been like it been blacked out with rage. I know, people. and you feel like, oh like, God, what kind of person? How did you get away with this? And then, <laughs> yeah. but just to see, I don't know the difference. Yeah, I I even had a, an. I mean, this was years and years ago, but I remember there was somebody that I, I traveled with that just I just one of those you just have to just toxic things that you're just like, no, we're not doing this anymore. But I was put, the blame was put on me. And it was a, a couple years later that the um, Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, hey, email that person and take on all the blame. And I was like, huh. <laughs> Probably <laughs> I was not. Like, I, are you, and my, my, my interaction with the Lord was, okay, hang on a second. Are you saying that I harbored ill will? Are you saying that it was all my fault? And he said, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just asking you to email them and take on all responsibility. And so I was like, oh, because it's going to trigger them to come back and ask me to forgive them. I'm like, God is so brilliant. And so I did. Like, I composed the email. I sent them this email. And I just was kind of lighthearted about it. It wasn't like, and I sent the email, didn't hear anything back. And the Lord said, you didn't do what I asked you to do. Go read your email. Yeah. And he said, I want, you to, I want you to list and itemize everything that they accused you of and take full responsibility for it. And so I'm like, but I, but okay, you're, so you're triggering this and thinking the whole time he's going to trigger their response. And I did it. I, I emailed them a second time, immediate response, got your first email, um, was grateful for it, but it, it wasn't until the second email came that I felt like I needed to respond to this. Thank you. And that was it. You're like, and I'm like, eh? cause I was like, what, what? And I, like, you didn't want to say anything. Oh man. And it was just like fire all over me. And, and the, the Lord just kind of just spoke in that moment very clearly. And he said, yeah, that's what I did for you. Yeah. I took it all on for you and I didn't do anything wrong. How does it feel? And it was one of the most shocking life lessons that I've ever learned in forgiveness where that was about me and the Lord that had nothing to do with me and that person. It yeah. was about the Lord showing me the evidence of his forgiveness of my sin and that I, he took it all on and he didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's and stunning. having those moments, I think brings us, I think it's why, you know, when, when you, when you were in the process of doing church, I know that that particular song on your record um, was maybe not, maybe the, not the most one in question, but it felt like it was like, it was, it was the one opposite of everything else. Yeah, no one heard that song until um, the final dress rehearsal the night before. Yeah. So, and it wasn't as if it was a con, because pretty much what you were doing is writing writing an album called Church yeah. for songs to bring the church back into almost like an upright position of yeah. giving glory back to the Lord. Like giving, letting super, the church have a sound. Very nostalgic, very easy Sunday yes. morning. Yes. Um, and I just knew writing this one, it wasn't going to be that way. Yeah. It was going to be more like classically what I've released prior um, which is just a lot of like me and Jesus kind of songs. Um, it took me the longest to write. I wrote that song, um, by myself and I just, I just kept going back to, it just was a process Yeah, and it was always on the track list. And everyone who was part of my album was like, what's Manasseh? Like, when are you going to show us this song? And I had made a joke, I think, like, probably six months prior. And I don't think anybody knew that it hadn't been finished. <laughs> I yeah, was like, yeah. well, you guys will hear it at the recording. Thankfully. And was that, that was intentional for you not to show it? I wasn't finished. I don't think I finished that song until a couple days before. I think this would be funny for people to find out. I think even as I sang it, I decided some of the melodies. Wow. That it was, it was so... And it wasn't like I kept revising it because I didn't feel like the Lord wanted me to keep revising it. I just felt like huh. he just gave it to me in part. And um, it just took on so many different. Yeah. And I, I remember one day sitting down and I was playing through it. And that's kind of, I was just worshiping with it. And then the Lord was singing over me that moment of, you can let it all go. You can let it all go. Yeah. Like, I'll take it from here. And I was just sobbing. 
And I didn't even know I was going to sing that part into the song. I just thought that was just like a moment. Um, wow. And yeah, so that, that really just took on kind of its own self and it really wasn't finished until right before I'm thankful for my team that just trusted me. Yeah. Uh, like, and I, I knew I was like, Hey, this song's just going to be me and keys. So no one else really needs to hear it. And we sat down on Wednesday night. My recording was on a Thursday and, um, in the room going through it. And I, I went, I played this song called the church I grew up in, which is not yeah. on this record, but it will be on a, yeah, the, the deluxe, deluxe record. Yeah. And it set up this song on the night. And I just started playing Manasseh and I was so nervous because I was like, no one's heard this song. It was like every other song, like I had people on my team like, oh, love it. Like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like affirming. I was like, I hope that they, I don't play this. And everybody's like, well, maybe not this song. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember my co-producer, Bede, who like did everything with me. He was in the room. He hears me start to play an intro and he's like, oh, I, I wanted to wait to hear it till the night. So he starts to walk out and he said he felt like the Lord was like, stay in the room. Um, and I play through the whole song and I didn't hear anything. Like, not like a sound in the room. And I was like, oh, God, they hate it. I couldn't get through the bridge. I just started bawling because it was so emotional. That was that, like, it's a new season. There's a new freedom. Yeah, All yeah. I thought was lost, you found and made it better. And so I was just bawling, singing through it. So I'm, it's not pretty. Yeah. I'm just, like, trying to get through, trying to get, like, the time of, like, <laughs> you know, I'm, like, going through it. And then when I open my eyes at the end, it's like, Every eye was filled with tears. Yeah. And and there's like, what is this song? And I was like, oh man. Like the Lord was so kind to keep it so protected with us. Yeah. And now I'll say out of any song on the record, um, it's been the most impactful. Anytime someone grabs me, they'll to talk, talk about that song. It's always and no one ever knows the name. <laughs> they don't know yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's a song. I'm like Manasseh, I'm like, yes. Um yeah. and it has been unbelievably overwhelming, the messages. I think you've probably gotten more messages on that song on the record than any other song, haven't you? No, it, it's, it's been life-altering. Because I've gotten so many messages about that song from my friends saying that song on her record, and I'm like, Manasseh? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> They're like, yes, oh my gosh, it's been heal healing to me. Because there are so many people that are in such... yeah. Pain. And I I think for me it's even being seeing people in ministry. I'd got an email from someone who was like, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. My husband and I took over our my dad's church. Yeah. We it became so unhealthy we had to step away. We have not been a part of any ministry in seven years. And I didn't know what to pray for. And they're like, now I know I have a prayer. Wow. And I thought to me, to me, out of all the messages, so many beautiful messages of like, I found my Manasseh. I think that one hit me the most because it was like, I'm still in this place yeah. where I don't know what to do. And I am like boggled down with unforgiveness, especially towards ministry. Um, but now I know what to ask the Lord for, yeah. which was like shattering to me. And I think that when you release records especially like being signed and all the things like quotas are happening. You know, you yeah. want to pay the label back. You want to like all this, all the stuff. All the um, and you can get caught up in so many numbers. And I, and I definitely set benchmarks for myself and healthy things like that. But um, it's really so beautiful to just read testimonies. Like that's the, that's the part of it. Where it's like, Oh man, when I was like doubled over, bawling on the ground being like, Lord, why do you want me to do this album? This feels like it's ripping me to shreds. I'm like, I'm trying to carry this and I yeah. feel like I'm not strong enough to, I look back at that time. And then I see these people who are so impacted by it. And I'm like, man, the Lord really brought fruit from what felt like such a crushing moment for me. Um, and it just makes it, you just get so much perspective. Yeah. yeah and I, I, that's the beauty of always been the beauty or the silver lining for me in this whole thing in worship yeah. and in music and songwriting is the testimony. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know how people, I, I don't know how, how artists in the Christian industry do it without the value of testimony because there's nothing like 
reading, even this morning, you know, just getting an email from one of the students last night, you know, just trembling at what the Lord was speaking to, to them. I just am like, man, if I just said no to that, and it was like, I can't do it. I'm too tired. And then I drag you there last minute. It's like the Lord wouldn't have had that moment to do that in that guy's life. No matter how, how hurt I've been, no matter how many times I feel like I'm trampled on, that I would have missed that one moment if I hadn't let the Lord do what he wanted to do yeah. in my own life. And and then glean the the testimonies from the other side, which I think are just, that makes it. That to yeah. me makes the makes the journey so much more easier. It makes it and the, and it show it it gives you perspective when you go through things that man, the Lord really does give beauty in those moments yeah. of like that there are things as a worshipper, I tell all of our team this, I any worship leader that I get to be in contact with, I'm like you're front lines. You're going to yeah. have to go through everything first. Yeah. And it's not to be the martyr in the sense of like Oh, I got hit by this. It's like, no, you get to experience it so you can protect the people behind you so they don't have to. Yeah. And I think that there are things that we're graced to go through that others will not have to so that we can help guide people through those seasons. Yeah. And I think that even with, um, I mean, these songs and, and with Manasseh, I hope that man, like, Lord, bring all the redemption you can to all those seasons. Like, I see it as now the Lord has given me these tools on my tool belt. Not that I have these, like, scars on me that just show that I'm so battered, but it's showing that I've conquered something. It's showing me that I've actually made it through that war. And now I have what this, like, little Girl Scout badge. And I'm like, hey, now I can walk you over a bridge. Right. Because I've I've been on a bridge that's fallen. We talk so much about the wounding of it. We don't talk about the scarring process. I mean, wounds haven't healed yet. Yeah. But a scar is actually the the relevance that whatever happened, happened. And it's left a mark. Yeah. But it, I mean, Christ has stripes that, that, you know what I'm saying? It's like he, he bears those scars as a testimony for that. When, when, cause I, on this particular podcast, what I'm really trying to, you know, just strike a zone in all the time is the value in the weapon of worship yeah, and um, how worship, whether it's in the format of, you know, what I do, you know, you know, whatever somebody's worship is to the Lord, like that it's a weapon against the gates of hell for, for you what has been, because you talk about that tool belt that you keep adding these tools in your life in what you're doing. For you, what is your, um, what is, how has worship been your greatest weapon? Has it been the revelation of healing through your writing? Um, you know, what is it in, in like in your terms as yeah. a writer and a, and a, I think worshiper? for me, the way that my mind has always worked when I was young is pretty chaotic. Yeah. And worship for me was the silencing of that. It was almost like when I would be able to sit down and be on the piano and start to do that, it was like every other, um, I don't know. I feel like the Lord's giving me this picture of like, you know, like distractions during like war when it's like, okay, cause like a, the diversion, like a distraction. It's almost like when there's music around me, it's this distraction of the enemy that the Lord can come close to me and speak to me. Yeah. That it's been this like kind of adversion of that. Um, and it really has been always this safe place. I think for me, when I was younger, a lot of elements in my life were constantly changing. Um, and consistency was something that I valued more than anything. Mm. I just wanted something like consistent. I wanted emotions to be consistent. I wanted people's feelings towards me to be consistent. I want like, that's all I wanted was just something that just remained the same. And I think that when I was young, it was almost like the Lord invited me. And I've always loved like the Chronicles of Narnia. 
Um, because I think that depiction of how Jesus is, is so beautiful. And like the depiction of like Lucy and Aslan of like this young girl, um, who's just so doe eyed and this like roaring lion that is just so like protective over her and like gentle, but like such a kind teacher. I always felt like that was like my dynamic with the Lord when I was young. Um, and it was almost like, I had this invitation to a space that would never move, that was always consistent, that the lamp was always in the same on the same yeah. table, and the the light always looked the same, and that was like the presence of the Lord for me, of like, man, I knew as much things could change around me and evolve that the presence of the Lord was always going to be consistent, mm. and He would always show up, and He'd always be sitting right there in yeah. the same chair. Um, and I think that to me, it was always so safe. I think it's evolved now, mm. the more that um, I think the Lord is so kind in that way that yeah. my worship life has evolved. When I was a little girl, I needed safety and I needed reassurance and that um, consistency. And then it was like, okay, now that I feel safe here, now I can have authority and now I can build off of, okay, I know I'm accepted by you. I know you've loved me. Like, I think it's so intentional the way that the Lord reveals himself to us and the process that he takes us from that. I, it was crazy. I was reading this article. Gosh, I wish I would have kept this article because I referenced it so many times. Um, and it was about creatives and um, how to create like your best. And I was saying that creatives actually create their best out of comfortability and safety Mm. over inspiration. Mm. Interesting. And it was thinking, I was thinking of like, anytime I've ever gone into a writing session and it's been like uneasy, I feel like I I, I don't do my best, even if it's with the most incredible writers in the whole world. Yeah. But when I'm walking into a room with you and Bede or Jesse, and I feel so seen and so safe and comfortable in that space, I'm like, Oh, I can try anything. I can yeah. I can create anything in here because there's been such um, permission to be who I am. And I think that that's how the Lord took me on that uh, journey through my worship of like, first, it was like, man, I love you for everything that you are beyond this. Like, I remember the Lord when I was maybe 17, he's like, I think you're so funny. And that meant the world to me. And I was like, I think the Lord has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. And like, he loves when I like, sit down and we tell stories. Like I got to know the person of Jesus yeah. so young. And I feel so privileged of that. When I was 14, 15, 16, um, I, was, I was really struggling in my mind um, just with thoughts and depression and anxiety, suicidal thoughts, things like that. And mm-hmm. it was just like mind like boggling all the yeah. time. And it was almost like there was literally a day where the Lord came into my room and kicked down the door and was like, it's enough. Like, we're not going to go through this anymore. Like, like I care way too much about everything that you're going to go through and everything of who you are that were just, it was almost just like, do you know what I'm talking about? That scene of like, uh, cut the cameras. Like I'm not watching this anymore. Um, And I just felt like Holy spirit grab hold of me. Um, and I remember I'd asked my mom, I was like, are there any scriptures about like your mind and like things? Cause I didn't know anything about OCD and I had all these intrusive thoughts. I just thought it was evil. <laughs> I was like, I have a demon. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what? And she was like, Romans 12 too, like be transformed by renewing your mind. And I would write that on my mirrors every day mm. in like expo marker. And I was like, I'm going to be transformed by renewing of my mind. And I think that the Lord just showed me. Um, when I was making my record piece, my last record, um, this like slideshow, it was the most s- special, probably one of the most special experiences I have with the Lord of him just showing me what like the cinematic movie of my life in all these moments where I felt so alone or isolated. Mm. Um, and he was just there and he was like sitting with me. Yeah. And then it was almost like this side by side of like me with like Jesus sitting at the piano and we're laughing and we're having like a ball and then there's like me leading worship and he's in every congregation hands up just lifted. And I'm just like, man, it was just so beautiful to see you've always been there through every experience. Um and then through that being like, man, I'm your child, I'm your daughter. I have access to everything that you have. 
like you said, greater works through me. So now I'm going to take up this authority. And then that was taking up this, like you talked about last night. Um, and you talk about all the time, like your hearts burn. Yeah. yeah, Like what is my life burned for? And I always felt like my life burned for justice and peace. And so the opposite, like what you were saying, whatever your life burned for, you're going to have the attack of the enemy. And so that was always anxiety and injustice that things that were unfair would happen and just crazy anxious anxiousness and and all that and i think that the lord was like all right now we go from this like aslan type figure of when my youth to growing up and being like i'm the roaring lion yeah and now i think that that's why i can get so intense and so like locked in because i'm like no god is also a great protector and peace is not passive it's ferocious peace chases down anxiety peace shuts the mouth of depression and suicidal thoughts and all of those things so um and then worship turned into my weapon of this like warfare of now like i feel like for so long the lord had me kind of tucked under him and he was fighting for me and then he's like all right now you can i think of i'm love chronicles are running today i guess um, when they're all given, <laughs> when all the kids are given their tools yeah, and it's like, okay, now here's your weapon. Now you're going to go with us into battle. You're not going to stay back. Yeah. And I think that that's the beauty yeah. of like the evolution of what it's looked like in my relationship with the Lord of like now, um, there's a song that I wrote, actually probably the first song I wrote with beat was called history of us. Yeah. And it starts one. with like, there's memories of on the wall of all the battles that we have fought, like trophies with the victories we've won, like wounds that turn to scars through the years we've paid the cost, but we've always overcome. And it's like the history of us now is like war after war after war, taking heads of enemies and being able to fight in the fight yeah. with the Lord and like joining him in that. So now I feel like we fought, I fought so hard for that space um, that worship is a weapon and learning that worship is intercession. Like worship is not sitting down with music. It's actually fighting in the spirit um, and, and learning how that coexists. And when I'm leading worship, I'm like, Lord, when are you asking me to speak into things? When are you asking me to pray into things? Um, and it not just look like a song, but let it always be intercession too, yeah. that is current, that is warring, um, and warring over people. And I think it's just so beautiful how, um, all of it ties in. Yeah. I've answered that question so long and a lot of Chronicles are already in there, but no, 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 I love it. I love it. I love it. No, I think that's, I think it's powerful to always remind people. And, and I think everybody has a different perspective of it because of your burn, yeah. because of the, the way that, and what you burn for. Um, you said that last night and I was like, I don't know that we've ever, I don't know that you've ever told me your burn. So wow. when you said that last night, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. You know, cause it was wrapped around your anxiety and all that stuff with the opposite fighting. So I just think it's so powerful and such a, you talk, we talk about the weapon or the tools that God gives us actually to help in this battle against the enemy. And the, the reality of it too is that when we talk about stuff like this, it actually enables people to find their own tools yeah. and to find their own way. So that it is part of this is actually part of a weapon for people to be like, wait a second, I can like, yeah. I can access this. And I think it's why it's so important for me to talk about, you know, even the, the depths of woundedness in the church and why I bring that subject up, I think a lot and talking about, you know, which I hate it, but I, to talk about the bad behavior, um, cause you got to kind of scrape the bad behavior off to actually get to the, to mm-hmm. what the Lord's wanting. I just think it's so important to keep reminding people, don't be so distracted by the wounding that you feel, you know, I don't hear a lot of people talk about, you know, the wounding of the world, you know, the world is going to wound you. The world is full of loss, but it's really this, this really deep thing about, about brothers and in Christ and sisters in Christ hurting each other because of our lack of own healing ourselves and our lack of being willing to be like, Hey God, take a hold of this rage. Hey God, take a hold of this issue that I have. Hey God. So that we don't, we're not leading out of those things that we haven't yet let God free us from. Yeah. But we're leading out of the freedom God's given us. And we're, we're leading people in clarity and not in dysfunction. Yeah. And I just think, 
it's so important for me at my age bracket to actually hear from people like you that are like, no, I have a history that you'd be shocked. I mean, so many people would be so shocked at the stuff that you've seen. It kind of made me dizzy when, because <laughs> you did it as almost like a comedy show at dinner one night. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it was like, wait a second, wait, what He's happened? laughing, you know. I mean, but you almost it. have to laugh about it because it's so, sometimes it's so surreal having seen those kind of things. And I think that for, for me, even seeing what I've seen, I was like, wait a second, what? Um, but to see that you have, used your relationship with the Lord as an escape route to what could actually be the most damaging thing to ever walk back into the house of God. And then so proud to be like part of your journey in church. Yeah. And, and the, the literal stunning quality of those songs, literally to changing my own life and, and, listening to that record and helping write on some of those songs, it's like just bringing value back to the journey of church. And Man. to the, the, I think it actually really, your process in making that record um, since COVID, like my, my church experience um, in losing a church here in Nashville and being like, well, yeah, guess, guess I'll watch online. No, you yeah. know, and and then just being like, even telling my 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 son, like, I miss going to church. I miss the process of church. Like, I love all that. I've loved all that. I've because I've kept my my relationship with the Lord and my eyes on the Lord and His healing in my life through all of the dysfunction of the house of God. Um, it makes me long and love the church. Yeah, and makes me just want to fight for her and fight for. Yeah, um, reputation. And- yeah, her reputation, and I just think that that I want to I want to encourage people in that, and so I'm I'm so grateful. My gosh. That- well, I'm so grateful and thankful. You've you've paved so many ways for so many of us. Ditch digger. <laughs> Rita the other day was asking me what my job would be. Would I rather be what a ditch digger no, with an excavator? The world has ended, and there's three jobs to have. <laughs> Apparently, and these are the only three jobs three, that are going to be had when the world is ending. <laughs> when the world's ending. A grave digger? What was it? A grave digger? A garbage truck driver? Garbage driver. And a, um, like an excavation, like a ditch digger. Yeah. And, then and I so was I, was like, like, <laughs> I was like, I'll do the excavator. Like, that sounds fun. I was fun. like, no, that's the least paying job. Yeah. And I was like, of course, that's the one that I pick and it's the least paying. I'm like, all right, great. So I'm just going to dig ditches and for free. Um, but it's still uh, power tools. Like, sounds fun. I tried garbage, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they're probably really highly paid. I just have a really sensitive nose. I feel like that would just... <laughs> Me too. That would actually... I'd be just throwing up I, the whole you time. Know, when, when Justice was little, all he wanted to be was a garbage truck driver. That's sweet. So we would like wait outside and he would wave at the guy. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't, I don't want you to tell people you want to be a garbage truck driver. I feel like my older brother said the same oh, thing. Oh, I think I think it's because like you get to like hang outside the car and stuff. <laughs> like that's kind of cool. <laughs> No, I love it. And then Drake did that music the, the video voice. where he was a garbage man. And oh, everybody's yeah. like, wow, garbage guys are so hot. But I, I do remember when the Lord <laughs> said to me one day, because I felt, I was just like shocking. Like, I don't want you to be a garbage truck driver. Don't tell, because he would announce, announce I'm going to be a garbage truck driver, you know, to everybody that walked through the door. And I was like, ooh, don't say that. And then I just felt like the Lord one day said, you know what, next time he says that, tell him he's going to be the most amazing garbage truck driver in the world. And so I just was like, you're going to be the most. And so it was like, of course it. He's not going to be a car. <laughs> I mean, he could. I'm just kidding. Two anyway, to tell. I know. Um, anyway, but thanks so much. You're always you're here. the great. You're, you know, you're part of the house. Wow. Home team, really. Home team. 